Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And let's see, today we are here, of course, to talk about the Franco Observer podcast, and we are on film 152, I'm sorry, episode 152, film 168, Red Silk. So, I'll give you a little update first before we jump into the film. Um, getting ready to start shooting the Amity Villar Killer uh, short film. That'll be one of seven short films in the upcoming horror anthology titled Amityville Aliens, headed by Donald Farmer. And um, there might be a week or two where I won't do an episode, but I will record a little um, message and post that and let everybody know because, I don't know, my time is starting to run out here with doing the films. Uh, I need to focus on that. Um, of course, this is a free podcast. I don't have really, I have one person that donates $5 a month every month, so it's a non-paying job and it does take quite a bit of time um, recording these, editing them doing the sound, watching the film, all that stuff. So I'm not seeing a lot of feedback or any donations. Um, Mondo Sacramento 2 hasn't been getting very many viewers on Tubi. So I don't know. It's kind of very disheartening and makes me wonder if I should continue this of uh, the podcast. Also, too, we have the Blu-rays for sale. I haven't seen anybody asking about those in the last few weeks. Um, we have seven titles all on Blu-ray now, um, including Lady Hyde, Sukibon Octopus Pot, the brand new 15th anniversary edition, Mondo Sacramento, the short films of Jason Rudy Volume 1 and 2, the nudie cutie double feature, and Emmanuel and Sin City. So um, if you can, please support me by picking up one of those or all of those. Uh, they're only $20 each. Uh, plus shipping and handling. But if you order from me, I'll cut you a deal. Maybe if you order more than three or four, you get free shipping and handling. I don't know. Just send me some messages at uh, DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com or FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com and help out a struggling independent filmmaker because, um, of course, I do this because I have to, but it also does help to have some people support you and to buy your product because, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. So that's where I'm at. So, all right, well, let's go ahead and knock this film out, finish up this deal, and uh, call it a day. So, all right, here we go. Uh, film 168, Red Silk, is the U.S. video and DVD title. A USA production, 1999, the alternative titles, Sedia Roja. Spanish Video DVD production company is, of course, the wonderful One Shot Productions. Uh, sarcasm there. Out of USA and Casey Yip Productions out of the USA. Video DVD distributor for this is Sabrosa Blue. Um, let's see. Sh timeline shooting date September, October 1999 came out on the Spanish Impacto Films DVD, which is the version I have, is the Spanish one. That's 2002. came out on USA Sabrosa Blue, 2004. Uh, U.S. Sabrosa Blue DVD, March 29, 2005. is finally Spanish Villa Vision reissue, July 2010. The running time of the USA version is 73 minutes, 10 seconds, and the Spanish version is 85 minutes, 55 seconds. Of course, before we go, we go any further, all this information I'm reading to you comes from the book Flowers of Perversion by Stephen Thrower. Uh, all right, director, of course, Jess Franco, but here he's billed as one of his old nom de plumes, Clifford Brown Jr. Writer Jess Franco, executive producer Kevin Collins, producer Saul Klink, Tommy Chase, Casey Yip, music Jess Franco, director of photography Emilio Skarsgowski, 
actually just Franco. Editor, Guillermo D. A. Morales. Um, direct Sound, William Van Bergen. First Assistant Director, Rosa Almoral, which I think is Lena Romay. Uh, production Manager, Ezekiel Caldes. Camera Assistant, Art Director, Electricians. He's got a makeup person on here. Two Special Effects persons. Uh, technical Supply Lab. Digital Sound Music Produced by One Shot Productions, scored by Jess Franco's B-Band. Um, let's see, okay. Cast, Lena de Romay as Lulu Laverne, playing the role of Tina. Christina Levin plays Gina. Paul Lapidus plays Cyrus Kalman. Anna Stern plays Sylvia Kalman, Cyrus's wife. Ron Franciscus plays Inspector Barnabé. Carlos Braun plays Matthias Grumbaldi, Garibaldi, and Fidipaldi. I don't know if he plays three roles or if it's the different names in um, the different versions. I haven't yet to watch this, so I'm totally in the dark for this. Uh, Ezekiel Caldas plays Eze plays Fran a cop. Laura Levine plays Ginny. And finally, Guillermo Agradanti plays Vargas, Coleman's manservant. So, we'll skip the synopsis for the review portion and uh, jump right into it. All right, production notes. Born in Argentina with Swedish and Ukraine family roots, Emilio Skardowski had been living in Malaga for 20 years when he first began working for Jess Franco, starting out as stills photographer on Tenderflesh. According to the credits, Red Silk was his first Franco film as director of photography, a credit which he also received on Broken Dolls, Blind Toys, I'm sorry, Blind Target, Helter Skelter, Vampire Junction, Killer Barbies vs. Dracula, and Snake Woman. Now heavily in demand for TV commercials, Skardragoski has a busy career as a director and cinematographer. When I spoke to him on the telephone in April 2018, he was cheerfully frank about his role in Franco's productions. On a Franco film, the credits are a kind of fiction too. I was never the chief photographer, just was the director of photography. At first, I worked as a stills photographer on Tender Flesh and Mari Cookie, and then I worked as a production manager, too. About midway through these films, I also began to work as an assistant cameraman. The, only, the other things I did sometimes were first assistant director and camera operator. If Jess was happy with your work, he would put you in a more important place in the credits. If he respected you or had some kind of good connection with you, he would give you the main credit. I did for him some photography, but it was more like suggestions should we put the light here that sort of thing but he was the chief photographer he held the camera he did and held sometimes he did that until he couldn't do it anymore he had parkinson's in later years i think he held the camera until snake woman speaking to spanish critic jose luis salvador esteban estebanes in 2013 Scar Gordowski explained that the working environment on a jess franco set could be tough for those unprepared for hard work we worked intensely. You did not get to work as production manager on you do not get to work as production manager on several of Justice Franco's movies if you do not work perfectly. Most people do not know that Jess is a guy who demands a lot from his team. As a character, he has a, he has four pairs of balls when the production of a film approaches and more when it is rolling. It is no fairy tale. Rather, it is working very close to hell. It's his way of working you it's his way of working, and you have to be made of stern stuff to be there. I've seen more than one technician cry in the corner. This is Jess Franco, an explosive and charming combination. Red Silk saw the arrival of another young man who would become a key member of the Franco production team over the next few years on both sides of the camera, Ezekiel Caldas. He went on to play significant roles in Broken Dolls and Vampire Junction, appear in smaller roles in most of the others up to and including Flowers of Perversion in 2003 and worked extensively behind the scenes too. He now lives in Uruguay. I asked him how he came to be involved in the world of Jess Franco. I left Sweden after my unfinished music study studies and arrived in Spain in August 1999 with the ambition to study audiovisual communication in the University of Malaga. I had to find somewhere to stay and my friend Damien Mene knew some people. This was how I met the 
Skardowski family. Emilio and I became very good friends. By that time, he was helping Pedro Tempori with the production of Carate e Morate e Tormolinos, starring another Skardowski. Parts of that film were shot that summer, and it was in that film that I had my debut as an actor. It was very much due to Pedro Tempori that Jess and Lena moved to Malaga in 1997 to shoot in two years Tenderflesh, Mari Cookie, Lust for Frankenstein, and Dr. Wong's Virtual Hell. Pedro was a big fan of Jess, and sometime before he had met him at a festival, offered himself as assistant and invited Jess to shoot in Malaga, where he knew many good young people to work with. Pedro became Jess's assistant on those films. The first thing they did was assemble the team of technicians, Ben Gordon, Raquel Cabra, Javier Cavardina, and among others, Emilio Skardowski, and still his photographer. When I arrived, Dr. Wong was in the last stages of post-production. Pedro was starting to shoot Karate e Morate e Tomolinos, and Jess was already thinking of Red Silk. But then Pedro got a job offer from a Madrid TV channel and he accepted. He explained to Jess that he couldn't continue as his assistant and that he had to move to Madrid. It took some time for Jess to forgive him for his desertion. Anyhow, Jess blamed the system that always ended up grabbing the good talent. As he used to say in Spanish, Tetracan, they screw you. Pedro moved to Madrid and Jess, who needed someone serious and responsible to help him produce Red Silk, offered Emilio the job. That was how Emilio and I started to become Jess and Lena's right-hand men, and my audiovisual studies had to wait for 10 years because I was in the best university of the street. I was working with Jess. And here's review by Stephen Thrower. Red Silk is a variant on the female private eye movies Franco had been making since La Beos Rojos in 1960. Compared to earlier examples of the form, such as Sadist Erotica and Kiss Me Monster, it's extremely low rent, and by any reasonable standard, it's seriously lacking in thrills. Filled, uh, viewed as a kind of elaborate home movie, it has a degree of eccentric charm, but even so, there are problems. The video image quality is too clinical, and the sound swings from acceptably dubbed to painfully raw sometimes during the same scene, resulting in audio whiplash as noise levels jump up and down from shot to shot. There's also way too much of the red silk girls showing off their vaginas during the course of their frankly rather tedious stage act. If you're remotely interested in what vaginas actually do, what kind of fun they get up to, and why they've been giving so much screen time, you'll be left wondering, wondering uh, to the bitter end. However, the interaction between the hero heroines, a pair of cynical hookers come detectives called Tina and Gina is plausible and casually funny. Their boisterous, sexy photo shoot with Matthias Grimbaldi, fashion photographer and part-time art smuggler, is the comic centerpiece of the film. Thanks to the exuberance of the women and cheerfully daft performance by Carlos Braun. Franco himself dubs Braun, revealing in a parody of his own role as director. Move it. That's it. Shake it with intelligence. More tenderness. More passion. Put your finger in your ass. Show the romanticism of your asshole. <laughs> For all of its comic asides, however, it's a bleak world where the characters inhabit. People are either vicious, selfish, or stupid, and the heroines are scarcely better than the rest. So cynical are these girls that when they discover the villainous Kalman is killing women and filming his activities in homemade snuff movies, they use the knowledge as leverage to blackmail him, after which they simply knock him out and hope their friend, a cop, gets it together and comes to arrest him. A final twist pulls a rug out from under them when the whole story, while the transition from fantasy to reality, is wittily done. The Red Silk Girls crash their car into a giant vagina. Wow. It's essentially a twist on the old, it was all a dream chestnut, and makes you feel like a dummy for sticking with the story to the end. God, I hate that. As for visual style, Franco is quote, quite restrained at the time, this time when it comes to digital effects. Granted, Gina's dream sequence unveils the electronic mirror image effect used extensively in Paula Paula, but the fact that she's having a nightmare offers sufficient narrative context, and besides, it's genuinely strange. Elsewhere, though, Franco is less than concerned with visual coherence. The girls call their show Red Silk, but their stage cavortings are relayed to us through a deep blue filter only reverting to natural color at the end when at last we can see that they are indeed wearing red silk underwear. 
Such a blunt refu refusal to match styles with content is almost heroically stubborn, but it's meant as some sort of anarchic gesture. It's so poker face that it comes across more thoughtlessness. There's also a reprise of the motives, motiveless staring into camera, which so undermined the fictive space of vampiro, vampire blues. During a sex scene between Tina and Gina, actress Christine Levin looks straight down the lens several times. The women are in a hotel room together. It's a private moment, not part of their stage act. Levin's urge to look at the camera may have been just an exhibitionist reflex, but you have thought the director would yell, Cut! Instead, Franco actually zooms into her face so it's clear he decided to go along with it. But why? Gina isn't the narrator of the story, so we can't read her glance at first-person omniscience. The twist ending doesn't explain it either. It's still Tina's story, not Gina's. There's no justification, not without buying into some baseless claptrap about alienation ten techniques. There's no cinehistorical or ironical reason either, no humorous or satirical context, nor is the actress taking control by looking frankly and honestly at the audience. This isn't feminism, it's just doing what girls tend to do in tacky porno videos. Such fourth wall incontinence is completely pointless. It compromises in an already fragile story by shoving the audience out of the fiction and into the real world. A world in which Red Silk is essentially just a softcore sex video being shot in a cheap hotel room. Quite what this adds to our appreciation of the work, I have no idea. Franco talked a lot about freedom as the magnet for his artistic compass, and he was, of course, free to do whatever the hell he liked in his films, but freedom without discrimination is just a recipe for mindlessness. Here, here. Newcomer Paul Lapidus gives a genuinely notable performance as the evil Mr. Kalman, conveying some of the same gravitas as R Ricardo Palacios in Franco's 1980s films. We can assume that Kalman is meant to be Portuguese. We see him discussing Portugal's Carnation Revolution with his servant Vargas, voicing criticism of the modern of the moderate instigators Francisco de Costa Nomes and Marcello Catano, and, ex and expressing admiration for authoritarian hardliner Antonio de Oliveira Salazar, whose death in 1968 opened the way for democratization. By the time we've seen him enjoying the sounds of his wife being beaten, we've decided that he's a thoroughly bad sort. But even this doesn't prepare us for the revelation that he once appeared in a snuff film murdering a helpless young woman tied to a bed. If the film misses one important dramatic punch, it's during the scene in which Gina and Tina break into Coleman's house to blackmail him with a snuff video. Gina threatens to castrate him if he doesn't hand over his credit cards, but Franco chooses not to let his heroine loose with the razor, and that's a pity because judging by how angry Eleven looks in the scene, he, she was primed to give one hell of a performance. Cast and crew. Hats off to the slightly tubby, but very spirited Carlos Braun for his turn as Gunibaldi. His unselfconscious nude horseplay with Romain and Levin is a highlight of the film and shows genuine comedic intelligence. Christy Levin is a fine too. She conveys the same loche, wild girl quality that Pamela Stanford had in the 70s Franco films, and her trampy half-sneer makes her a compelling sexual presence. Acting-wise, she stumbles a bit here and there, but it's nothing a few more takes wouldn't have ironed out. Leo Romay is focused and committed as ever, and the male contingent of Red Silk is enhanced by the very handsome Exquil Caldas, whose casual manner and warm smile make him something of a rarity in Franco's later work. A male who's allowed to be attractive without being treated as a buffoon. The Red Silk girls have the hots for him, which is not to say that his character gets preferential treatment. He's whacked over the head with a gun, but when he tries to strike a bargain with the two vixens. Like Hans Haas Jr., Fred Williams, Antonio Mayans, and Jose Lamas before him, Caldas suggests the viability of an erotic world outside of lesbianism, demonstrating a concept that was becoming increasingly rare in Franco's later work, Masculine Charm. As noted above, Caldas' role extends beyond the camera too. In fact, he's regarded, he regarded this as a more important part of his contribution. I don't consider myself an actor because I enjoyed much more than the other parts of the work with Jess, helping to plan the production, working with post-production, working with the selection of the music, and sometimes also composing and editing. 
with the makeup artist, maybe we were six or seven people in the entire crew of that film. Music. La Via Esta Una Merde reappears in its bordello jazz incarnation. Unfortunately, we also get Daniel White's uncharacteristically dreary theme music from El Hotel de la Legues, overlaid with some cheesy synthesizer brass samples added by Franco. During the photo session with Grimbaldi and the confrontation between the heroine and Kalman, Franco drops in Fantomas Cheris from Daniel J. White's LP Mystery Blit. Location, Malga, or Molga. Connections. Red Silk refers back to Franco's Red Lips films, La Bios Rojos, 1960, Seda Serotica, 1967, and Kiss Me Monster, 1967, in which two female private detectives use their brains and feminine guile to solve cases under the nose of the generally inept police. In the 1970s, Franco revamped the formula with a variety of tweaks and alterations. The investigative female duo in La Grasse and Reduces subvert the plans of criminal near-de-wells, not to hand them over to the authorities, but to steal their ill-gotten gains for themselves. In Opala de Fuego, two dumb but sweet strippers are released from prison and used by the police as undercover agents to, insti- to investigate a people-trafficking ring. The oddest variant, quite literally, is La Chica de los labios rojos 1984 in which lena romay and her sidekick karen duar the later for some reason unacknowledged in the title investigate criminals in the style of the 60s films with romay leaving the imprint of a red of a red lipstick kiss as her calling card red silk reworks the idea again the sly but not especially bright romay is paired with dumb bleach blonde christine levin and their modus operandi is a mixture of the 1960s Red Lips films, the girls are private detectives, and La Grande and Reduces. Their primary aim is to get rich by creaming off money from the criminals they encounter. Maybe skimming. Uh, the similarities to La Grande and Reduces even extend to the characters' names, Tina and Gina in Red Silk, Tina and Pina in the earlier film. When Gina pinches her nose to disguise her voice on the phone, it's a callback to the original Lobios Rojos as the character's name is Kalman. The plight of Kalman's wife, Sylvia, and the performance of Anna Stern recall the character played by Eva Leone in Mansion of the Living Dead, 1982. After a long absence, Red Silk puts us back into the audience at a live strip show. See Shining Sex, La, La Noche de la Abertos, Confessions of an Exhibitionist, and many others. Franco cuts between shots of the cast sitting in a bar and the actor supposedly watching, although the latter is clearly shot against a plain curtain in a hotel room. The subject of snuff movies makes its first appearance since Elsa, the Wicked Warden, in 1976. Some things in our story are true, others aren't. We just wanted to get you horny. So ends the film, and we realize that we've been taken for a ride by the Red Silk Girls, a twist that points all the way back to Franco's debut, Teeny Mouse, 18 Annals, 19. 59 so all right that's quite a bit of verbiage there for this film um reading that i'm actually halfway looking forward to it um as you know the last i don't know maybe the last uh one two three four last four films haven't been strong so i think this one sounds a little bit better i do like the red silk films i mean the uh, red lips films and I do like the um, detective angles and this and that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this goes. So I'm going to try to keep an open mind and uh, coming to it with a uh, lack of enthusiasm. No, I'm sorry. Well, I do have a lack of enthusiasm. But, yeah, it w- more of a uh, enthusiastic streak. And uh, I'll give it a, a fair shake. So, well, hang out past this break and uh, you'll hear the commercial for the Blu-rays, and uh, after that, you'll hear my review of Red Silk. So, Buenas noches, Maha. Buenas noches. Hi. This is filmmaker Jason Rudy with Desperate Visions Productions, and I'm here today to talk to you about my Blu-ray releases. All new this year, 2023, from Desperate Visions Productions. 
This has been a busy year for me, as I have put out Lady Hyde on streaming services, Emmanuel and Sin City on streaming channels, and my film from 2013, Mondo Sacramento 2, which is on streaming channels. Lady Hyde is on Tubi and Amazon Prime. Emmanuel and Sin City is on the Reveal Network and a few other streaming channels. And Mondo Sacramento 2 is on Tubi and Momitu. So please check those three titles out and tell others about them. On the Blu-ray front, I am here today to talk to you about the six new releases from Desperate Visions Productions. We have the short films of Jason Rudy, Volume 1, titled Dirty Deeds and Desperate Visions. It has four short films, totaling 117 minutes long, is unrated, and has the special feature of the Creative Process, Volume 1, interview by Cameron Cloutier of yours truly, Jason Rudy, talking about my filmography and stories behind the films. On Dirty Deeds and Desperate Visions, Volume 1, we have the films Room 412 from 2007, The Last Road to Hell from 2008, Chump Change from 2010, and The Dirty ABC Rhyme from 2016. On the short films of Jason Rudy, Volume 2, we have titled Demon Dames and Desperate Visions, we have the films Lady M from 2010, The Hunt for Super Fox from 2014, Simone La Femme de Mon from 2015, and Report 2057 from 2016. That runs approximately 116 minutes, is unrated, and has the special feature of the Creative Process Interview Part 2, which is a continuation um, of the past films and all that good stuff also we have a late night nudie cutie cinema double feature featuring two films two nudie cutie films from yours truly uh titled the desires of dawn and jason rudy's mondo visions the desires of dawn is from 2014 and runs 66 minutes unrated and Mondo Visions is from 2016 and runs 65 minutes, and that is unrated. Total running time on that is 131 minutes. It's 1080p high-definition widescreen, and all discs are AV AVC encoded and PCM stereo. And these two films each have audio commentary with writer-director Jason Rudy. I give uh, brand new audio commentaries recorded specifically for these Blu-rays. Uh, the Desires of Dawn was previously on VHS, uh, on uh, excuse me, on DVD. Monovisions uh, had a short theatrical run, but this is the first time anywhere it's on home disc in the United States or worldwide. So yeah, brand new film. So check it out. And we also have, of course, Lady Hyde from 2022. It's unrated, runs 78 minutes, is 1920 by 1080 p full HD resolution, AVC encoded, PCM stereo, and that has the special features of audio commentary with writer-director Jason Rudy, theatrical trailer, and a lady hide behind the scenes photo gallery. And uh, yeah, it's a good release. All these are region-free, by the way, so if you're listening to this anywhere in the world, they are available to play on your Blu-ray player. There's no region A, B, or C. They're all encoded to be region-free. And finally, the last two discs we have are Emmanuel in Sin City, the uncensored version. A lot of uh, Tubi and Amazon Prime would not take it because of the sexual content, so this is totally uncensored, totally uncut, and was deemed too erotic and extreme for major streaming channels. But you will see it here on Blu-ray. And that has, of course, special featured audio commentary with myself, Jason Rudy, trailer reel, and uh, exclusive behind-the-scenes photos, and more. So that's from 2023, which is the newest film. And finally, uh, the sixth release, which we just put together, is Mondo Sacramento from 2011. 
believe. No, sorry, 2012. And that's 63 minutes, unrated. Special features, audio commentary recorded specifically for... Actually, no, it's the um, the audio commentary that we used for the DVD release of it years ago with uh, actress Boots Trader, who's in the Batgirl segment, and actress Sondal G, who is in the Ricky the Vampire of Sacramento segment. So we have... Uh, and then, of course, with myself as well. So we have writer, director, and uh, actor commentary on that. And then we have uh, a never-before-seen behind-the-scenes footage um, that I found for the Batgirl stripper sequence that uh, was pretty cool. Nobody's ever seen that before, so that's a special feature on that. And a behind-the-scenes pictures of the filming and of the premiere of Mondo Sacramento back in 2012. And, uh, yeah, so that's available, all six releases which is 13 films total, are now released on Blu-ray, and they are sold by myself, the director and producer of the films. If you are interested in picking up any of the Blu-rays, they sell for $20 each, plus shipping and handling, if you're ordering them online or anywhere outside of Sacramento. Uh, If you want to have information on that, you can always find me and inquire about purchasing the discs on the Franco Observer page on Instagram, the Franco Observer page on Facebook, or you could write me at DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com. That's DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com, which is the Desperate Visions Productions email address. Um, And if you want to purchase all six in one swoop, I will give you a discount, and uh, pretty much the discount you save will pay for the shipping and handling. So, yeah, please support fellow independent cinema. And this is a one-man operation, so I sincerely appreciate your support. So, yeah, once again, Emmanuel in the Sin City, Lady Hyde, Mondo Sacramento, The Late Night Nudie Cutie Cinema Double Feature, and the short films of Jason Rudy Volume 1 and Volume 2, all available on Blu-ray, disc, region-free, with lots of special features. So so pick them up today, DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com. Thanks for your support, and I'll see you at the movies. We are back with the review portion for episode 152, film 168, Red Silk. Um, let's see. So, hope you enjoyed the uh, little Blu-ray commercial there for the DV Productions, Desperate Visions Productions. The uh, now seven Blu-ray releases. And, uh, yeah, so, hope you enjoyed that. Um... Before I get into the review, I'm going to say that I am going to be taking a break from the Franco Observer podcast for the next few weeks, so there'll be no episodes for August. Um, To be totally honest with you, I'm really backed up with time. This episode was just getting posted um, on the day of the the release, so I've been running out of time getting ready to start a new film and uh, got other things going on and this is getting to be a job that is paying no money and uh, I kind of need to take a little break for a little bit but um, when we come back from the break we will knock out the, uh, we got about 10 episodes left I think uh, let's see, we are on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, nine more episodes after this so Yeah, so we're going to take a break for a few weeks and then come back and I'll have another film shot and uh, we'll be back in September to pick up again on uh, Broken Dolls. So be on the lookout for that. So, um, yeah, so we've got that going on here. All right, so... uh, 
Uh, yeah, so we just got done finished watching Red Silk, and um, it wasn't, let's see, let me think of a good way to put this, it wasn't as bad as the rest of the films I've watched so far in the one-shot productions uh, montage of films. Um, it has a basic plot. Um, there's a lot of stuff I didn't like about it, of course, um, as I do with these direct-to-video films that Jess Franco shot. Um some of the reasons why I'm too is taking a break because, um, you know, like I said before, I'm really not enjoying these films and I don't want to do a podcast every week where I'm just not sounding happy doing the films and just kind of putting out the content. That's not really what I'm into it for. Um, I came into this because I really like Jess Franco and I really like his films and to see what he's doing now with this portion of his career, it's kind of a bummer and, uh, I don't know. It's it's not something I'm into, especially with all the films I could be watching and enjoying and talking about. And then I have to go and do these every week and kind of like talk bad about these films, and that's just not what I'm into. And and just dreading watching these and waiting for them to be over, and then just talking about them. I don't know. It's 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 not my thing. So you know that's where I'm at on that. So yeah, I need to kind of take a break for a few weeks and uh, recharge my batteries. Shoot the Amityville Aliens film get some editing done on that and then come back and then go on vacation do my deal and then come back in September and knock out a few more so be on the lookout for that so yeah okay there we are with that and also too um, but I will say before I go further I need you guys to step up and you know maybe order some Blu-rays from me I'd really appreciate it I got all these films out and uh, I know I have a lot of people that listen to these shows and episodes and all that good stuff so Email me at desperatevisions at yahoo.com or francoobserver at yahoo.com and inquire about picking up one of these films or something. Support your local podcaster, your local filmmaker, because uh, it's really making me kind of, uh, you know, hesitant on doing more things. So, yeah, help me out on that end. So. All right, here we go. Red Silk, review by Jason Rudy. Uh, let me knock out the synopsis first by Stephen Thrower, and then we'll get into the review of the film. Uh, synopsis, Tina and Gina are Red Silk, a pair of nightclub strippers who also operate as private detectives specializing in cases of threats, coercion, blackmail, etc. Prospective clients put their contact details in the local paper, and the Red Silk girls get in touch. They also offer personal services more commonly associated with their evening job. One night at the club where they work, they see a man called Kalman in the audience. He's a criminal with an entourage of flunkies and hangers-on, attracted by his enormous wealth. His wife, Sylvia, appears distressed, but when a man comes up to ask her if she's all right, one of Kalman's heavies scares her away. The next day, a new client asks for their help in the newspaper advert. Gina calls him and tells him to be at the Flamingo Club. The following evening, he is Matthias Grimbaldi, and he says he wishes nothing more than to take pornographic photos of the girls together. After a photo session that turns into a threesome, Grimbaldi hires the girls for another job. They are to transport a package across the border into a foreign country and hand it over to a man at the Tropicana Hotel. Kalman, meanwhile, spends his time discussing the Francocious regime's mistakes with his servant Varsis. Argus. Sylvia is now imprisoned in a dungeon-like room at the top of the house. When her cries irritate her husband, he sends Vargas to whip her into silence. Unbeknownst to him, however, Vargas is in love with Sylvia and merely fakes the whipping sounds, assuring Sylvia the time will come for her to escape. Gabaldi drops off the package with Tina and Gina and leaves them to complete their mission. Suspecting without evidence that Gabaldi is going to stiff them after the packages have been delivered, the girls call a previous client, Inspector Bernard Bay, and ask him to join them at their rendezvous point. There they perform their red silk stage act and meet with their latest client, Fran, a handsome young man who also claims to be a police officer. He hires the girls to steal a package from one of Coleman's cars. Next day, the appointed time for the Grinaldi job, the girls arrive at the Tropicana Hotel. To their astonishment, the pianist in the hotel bar is Grimaldi himself, who greets them and declares that he is also known as Matthias Grimaldi. Garibaldi. Apparently, he has different names for different jobs. His Grunabaldi is the painter-photographer. Garibaldi is the pianist. The girls give Garibaldi the package he wanted delivered. 
and then turned him over to Inspector Barnabé, who is sitting nearby incognito. Garibaldi recognizes him and greets him like an old friend, although the cops still arrest him. After a nice, relaxing sleep, the two girls meet with Fraun again, who tells him to deliver a package containing a videotape to Coleman, who will pay $200,000 for it. Fran will split the money with him 50-50. The girls listen to the plan, then knock him out and head out to perform the job and keep all the money. Somehow, the script does not elaborate. They find out that the package containing the tape is hidden in the glove compartment of one of Coleman's cars, currently in service at a car retailer. Taking it home to watch, they discover that the tape contains a snuff film of Coleman murdering a woman. Tina decides that this means they can blackmail Coleman for even more than the $200,000 Fran was suggesting. They call Barnaby and tell him to be at Coleman's house to arrest him the following day, then set off to blackmail the killer. The girls force Coleman to hand over his checkbook and credit cards to knock him out. But before Barnaby can get his hands on the killer, Vargas frees Sylvia and shoots Coleman dead. The girls drive off to enjoy their new wealth, but their car plunges over a ravine, except it's not a real car, it's a toy car, and the story we've just heard was entirely made up by Tina, which is a shitty way to end a film. Uh, that's another reason. So, yeah. Okay, so. Alright, so there's all that. Um, my notes on the film. Well, we see the first nudity one second into the film. Uh, you see, uh, during the title sequence, a full spread eagle crotch shot of Lena Romay. The title sequence. Um, the stage show is the first 11 minutes of the film. Uh, it's really long. And as an editor and a filmmaker, it's a good example of why you should really be tight with your editing. Uh, it's got really bad overdubbing all the way through. The Flamingo Club reference I liked, and them holding the nose on the phone, speaking, goes back to the old uh, Red Lips films. Um, Franco overdubs the photographer, which is pretty funny. I like that scene. Um, oh yeah, so watching this film, I watched uh, the original Black Emmanuel the night before, and they serve... Laura gives her a Sprite, bottle of Sprite at the club that she was at, uh, Outdoor Cafe. And in this film, Lena and Tina go to a club and they uh, are handed uh, two bottles of Sprite, which I was laughing because it was a really weird coincidence that uh, both those films had the same bottle of Sprite to the lead actress. Um, and as we have Franco overdubbing the uh, Garibaldi, Garibaldi guy, um, we have close-up of Lena and I'll call the other girl Tina uh, tongue-kissing, sucking tongues like is seen in uh, what was it, Sex Lies of an Exhibitionist and a few other films that Lena does that in so that was pretty interesting there's a really bizarre dream sequence in this where he uses a lot of video effects but luckily this film wasn't heavy on the video effects that he was using in the past few films which really make it look even cheaper than it should be so they only use this in one scene there's a really gross scene when one of the, the other red lips gal goes to take a pee and Franco zooms in on her pissing in the toilet and you see the piss running out of her vagina into the toilet, which was pretty gross. Uh, the snuff film footage was cheesy, but then also really bizarre at the same time. So, And finally, the toy car crashing at the end. Tilly tells a toy car and then it falls, crashes onto a muff of hair, which was kind of funny for her two seconds till you realize that that was the end of the film and it was such a slap in the face which I always hate those dream sequence at the end where you realize it was all just a dream it totally ruins the um, f feel of the film and everything you watched and put your time into it doesn't mean shit so I don't know that part I didn't really care for so yeah that's uh, a little review notes from this film like I said it's definitely one of the better um one-shot films. I don't think it's as good as, like, say, Tender Flesh, but it's definitely better than Mari Cookie, Lust for Frankenstein, Dr. Wong's Virtual Hell, and Vampire Blues, so it's got that going for it. But, uh, yeah, it's still a lot of bad cheesiness, and, uh, I don't know, it's just, it sucks to see him slumming doing these films like this, but I respect him wanting to keep putting out films, but then on the other hand, I don't know, there's something about shooting on film and having a budget, and Everything I don't have myself, but I'm not Jess Franco, so I don't know. It's just, you could do better, Jess. You should have, so. Um, all right, let me knock out this Franco Observer checklist. Of course, this was a list that we put together way, way back when, one of the first five episodes or so of the film, where we kept seeing recurring themes popping up over and over again. So this is the Franco Observer checklist. 
Number one, body of water. Yes, we see it in the very beginning of the film, and there's also swimming pools in the film and other bodies of water. Uh, number two is sailboats. No. Number three, boats. No. And number four, palm trees. Yes, we see some palm trees in the film. Number five, jungle sound effects. And there's no jungle sound effects, but there's tons of overdubbing, so there is a uh, layered in sound. Number six, chained up person. Yes, um, the gal is tied up in that room. She's not chained up, but she's definitely tied up, held captive. Uh, number seven, dance scenes on stage stripping. Yes, the very opening scene of uh, was it Lena and Tina. Well, the two gals' names. Um, Tina and uh, da, 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 da. I don't know it's Lena Romay, but you know, Tina and uh, Gina. So yeah, we see Tina and Gina doing their dancing stage routine, which is interesting because we haven't seen that for a while. Uh, number eight, club scenes, dancing of people dancing together in a bar. No, but we do have a bar. Uh, the scene where they strip in, it's uh, we see people sitting in a bar. So there's a bar in the film. Number nine, jazz music. Yes, there is jazz music in the film. Uh, quite a bit through, which is actually one of the better things in the film. Number 10, excessive zooms. Yes, Jess zooms in on crotches quite a bit, and uh, which leads to number 11, out-of-focus shots. Yeah, a couple times he zooms in too close, and he does it uh, out-of-focus when he's shooting crotch shots. It's pretty funny. And number 12, mirror shots. Yes, there's a nice mirror shot in the car, the rearview mirror, and then we have a mirror reflection off the glass in the cafe. So there's a couple of them here. 13, mind control theme, no. 14, magic tongue scenes, yes. Number 15, red light, no red lights in the film. Uh, 16, sheepskin rug, no. Uh, masturbation with a letter C item, no. There's masturbation in the film, but nothing with a letter C, like a cigar or a cigarette or a cucumber or a cane or uh, any of those things. Uh, let's see, number 17, Mad Scientist and Servant. That would be no. 18, Fish Tank Shots, no. 19, Talking Parrot, no. 20, End Credits, yes or no, yes. Uh, 21, Handwritten Notes, Signs, anything cheesy like that. I uh, didn't catch that, so I'll say no. Uh, 22, Spiral Staircase Shots, no. 23, Inept Cops, uh, yeah, Cops are pretty bad in this. So are the criminals. 24, Belly Chains, no. 25, kinks. Well, let's see. There's whipping. There's uh, voyeurism. There's... Um, what else would be kinks on this? I guess the snuff film stuff. Um, and maybe one or two more. 26, great headboards. No, a lot of just lame headboards in this. Number 27, fear or desire. I'll say desire, but even that's just kind of basic. 28, acoustic guitar player. No. 29, reading a book scene, no. And finally, number 30, P scene, yes. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a very gross scene where uh, either Gina or Tina, the one that's not Lena Romay, goes and takes a piss, and the guy watches her, and Franco zooms in and lets us see her actually going to pee. Oh, and then, too, when she's going pee, she, like, rubs her finger against her vagina and, like, rubs against her lips like she's tasting her piss as well. So it's extra gross on top of that, even though she doesn't drink it. So that's good. So, yeah, that's uh, what we saw in that film. So, yeah, it might be a good one to kind of take a little break after that film. Uh, let me do a little plug here. Like I mentioned at the top of this review, we got Blu-rays for sale. Uh, check those out. Write me an email, and I'll give you information either shipped from me or shipped from a my storefront in uh, Nevada. Uh, they'll ship from Nevada anywhere in the world. Um, I personally will ship to anywhere in the, in the United States. And if you order from me, if you get more than like uh, three or four, I'll, I'll include free shipping. So, uh, But if you order from the Nevada worldwide, they don't do that. you got to actually pay shipping on those. Um, but you can order however many you want. Um, if you can, watch Lady Hyde on Tubi or on Amazon Prime. Or watch my film Mondo Sacramento 2, which is really fun, really cool. That's on Tubi as well. That's Mondo Sacramento 2. Uh, I've watched those. Uh, I get a little kickback from those, so I actually make a little money every time people watch those. So if you want to support me, I guess, and not buy Blu-rays, which would be silly, but if you still want to help me out, watch those movies many times and tell other people about them, so I make some money off those. If you want to donate uh, one time or reoccurring, you can at the Red Circle homepage. Uh, we got one person that's donated from 
last since a long time ago, which I always appreciate. Unknown person, yeah, they donate five bucks a month, so that's like basically all the money I'm making off this is five bucks a month for four to five episodes a week or a month. So it's about a dollar an episode. But hey, I'm grateful for the one person that does that. I wish more people would have stepped up though, but we'll see how that goes. So yeah, if you want to help me out, donate. Uh, subscribe to the show. We got ten episodes left, so if you want to subscribe, go ahead. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher's quitting. So there's no more of that. Radio Public and your other favorite platforms. Um, you can also leave a review, rate the show. Appreciate that. Uh, also, tell a friend if you like the show, if you want to help me out with Desperate Visions Productions, Lady Hyde, Emmanuel, any of my Blu-rays. Tell people about them. Tell people to order from me to support a really true independent filmmaker, one that doesn't have any companies behind them. No support from marketing or anything like that. It's just literally me and my films, kind of like how Russ Meyer used to be. So if you want to help me out, check out my films and tell a friend about them. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me for uh, DVDs and such, you can at DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com or one word, FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. Or you can also reach me through the Facebook or Instagram pages for the Franco Observer podcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And one final time, all the Blu-rays we have for sale are Mondo Sacramento, the short films of Jason Rudy Volume 1, the short films of Jason Rudy Volume 2, uh, the Nudie Cutie double feature of The Desires of Dawn and Mondo Visions, and then Lady Hyde, uh, Emmanuel in Sin City, and the 15th anniversary special edition of Suki Bond Octopus Pot. All those have audio commentary by me, and uh, picture galleries, and other cool stuff on those. And they're all special editions, all Blu-ray, uh, AVC encoded, PCM stereo, all remastered, all that good stuff. So check those out. And uh, for the month of August, we'll be filming... Um, the Amityville or Killer portion of the Amityville Aliens uh, horror sci-fi anthology coming out from Donald Farmer Productions, and uh, that should be coming out in 2024. So I'm basically going to finish that up by December and send it off to them, and then that should be out from there in 2024. So be on the lookout for that, and I will also be taking that short film and releasing it later on on my own as well and adding to it, so be on the lookout for that. And also for She Knows Ferratu, which should be done by the end of this year. It's another reason why I need to kind of take a break so I can get back to editing that and doing all the post-production work on that because that's been kind of sitting back while I've been doing all this other stuff, so I need to focus my priorities and get those taken care of and get running. So, All right, well, that's going to conclude this episode, 152, film 168 of the Franco Observer Podcast. Once again, we'll be taking a break for August. Thank you for listening, and uh, if you want to keep listening, you know we got 150 other episodes, and uh, 151 plus, we actually a couple bonus ones too. So if you uh, haven't listened, go back to the archives, check those out. They're always there for free. You can download those, listen to them wherever you want. we got hundreds of hours of content ready for you to listen to all with different guests and all different films. So educate yourself on Jess Franco. And if you dig it, send me an email. Let me know uh, that you listened to this episode and you want to listen to more Franco Observers. Let me know if you care, you know. Uh, I don't get a lot of feedback. I get a few people that get a hold of me. But if you want to, if you listen all the time, you never email me or leave me a note, this is the time to do it. Go, hey, man, I, I missed the podcast. Or, hey, when you come back. Or, or just, you know, give me a heads up, man. It's always good to have that contact. So, all right, well. Have a good one out there, and I'll see you guys in September. Buenas noches, maha. Buenas noches. See you in September. Ah.